Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself. Learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, and I truly am so excited to share this episode with you called Four. As a nation and people, you know this, we've become increasingly polarized, highly vocal, and even antagonistic toward one another about what we're against. The same is true for the church. For a lot of people, we represent what we are against instead of what we are for. My guest today on the Relevate podcast is Jeff Henderson, a pastor, entrepreneur, and visionary of the whole four movement. Jeff's written a new book on this very subject. It's called Know What You're For, A Growth Strategy for Work, and Even Better Strategy for Life. In this episode, we talk marketing, chicken, family, faith, and four. It's fully loaded with something for everyone. Let's go. Jeff Henderson, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Rena, great to see you again. This is your first time here at Gwinnett Church, so yeah, welcome. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Kind of feels like North Point, but then it, it has its own unique vibe. Good. So. That's kind of the hope, is that we'd learn a lot from North Point and then kind of contextualize it locally. Yeah, I dig it. I think you and I are both similar in the respect that we're both marketers at heart who've pivoted from safe corporate marketing world to the much more fun and fulfilling work of helping people connect in relationship with Jesus so they can live their best life. Let's talk marketing first. Was that always your intended career path? It would be my pleasure if you would share a bit about your time working at Chick-fil-A. It's really interesting. I grew up, Rena, a preacher's kid, so I promised myself I would never do what I'm currently doing. So I would never work at a church. And I, uh, I why I, is that? Well, I give you a quick story. My dad was a pastor, and we lived in a small house, a pastorum, that a parsonage, if you will, that the church provided. And one Sunday night, my parents were having coffee, and I was just sitting in the other room, real small, small house. But I could, so I could overhear them. And my dad was saying, "Well, brother, so and so doesn't like this, and deacon so and so is mad at me at this, and." Deacon so-and-so doesn't like this. And my first thought as a kid is, why do these people hate my dad? And that was a little seed that said, I'm never going to work at a church. I'm going to do something else. And so I developed an interest in sports as a huge sports fan, but I didn't know that you could do sports marketing. Oh yeah. So when I was in college, I just wrote the Atlanta Braves uh, a letter and said, do you do internships? Because I would like to apply. This is before email. (laughs) So (laughs) I, long story short, got the internship and just fell in love with sports marketing, Mm -hmm. and they allowed me to do anything. I wrote television. I did everything from writing television scripts and representing the Braves to, you know, corporate sponsors to actually I was Homer the Brave when (laughs) the mascot one night when he didn't show up. So I did everything, you know, it was awesome. And I realized I'm not good at sales, but I do enjoy advertising and marketing, Mm -hmm. but really connecting more with people and making sure they had a great experience with the brand, in this case, the Braves. So uh, that's really what I'd really you know, love doing. 
Then fast forward many years later, I've, I, that's what I did for Chick-fil-A. I did mm-hmm. their sports marketing, which basically Chick-fil-A, for the most part at that time, this was 20 years ago, was a regional brand. Mm-hmm. So we leveraged sports marketing because the distin- distinguishing characteristic of a Chick-fil-A customer was that they were a college graduate. So we thought, huh, college graduates were in the Southeast. Let's do the Southeastern Conference and the Atlantic Coast Conference and sponsor a college football ball game, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So I was over all of that in beverage marketing and loved it and still love it. So so that was, uh, so I left Chick-fil-A 16 and a half years ago. Yeah. So George Crumbly, does that name ring a bell? Oh, yes. Yeah. He's a legend at the Peach Bowl. Yeah. So I actually worked at Crumbly and Associates. It was my first job out of college. So wow. he he was not with the Peach Bowl at, the, at that time. Mm-hmm. His daughter had taken over the agency. Okay. But okay. Um, Cheryl Lee, that's That's a connection cool. there. Absolutely. Yeah. So did you have anything to do with the cows campaign? Well, it was when I started, that was when the cow campaign was just beginning. Mm-hmm. And it really, this was back in the facts days. Uh, our agency, the Richards Group out of Dallas, Texas, they they were designing an outdoor billboard campaign. And they did a lot of different billboards and really wanted to make them 3D. And mm-hmm. then one day they sent over a fax with a cow on it and it said eat more chicken. And my boss, David Salyers and Steve Robinson, who is the VP of marketing, they all saw it and thought, wait, this is more than a billboard. This is a whole campaign. And so, so then I joined in and it was, so we got to really, so was it the 3d cow at that point? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was a 3d cow billboard, which is where it came from. But then Mm -hmm. we thought this kid really, we need to go deep on this idea. And, and I think that's important for marketers or anyone listening that mm-hmm. once you find an idea, you, it takes a lot of effort to go you know, do a deep dive. And so then we just did everything. And so then everything from our sports marketing strategies, it was all very, very cow related. Mm-hmm. And one of the things it did is Chick-fil-A was known for being buttoned up, great operations, excellence, but I think it gave a little lighter personality mm-hmm. and brought humor Exactly. And humor yeah. is an important. I tell this to church leaders. Fun. Humor is really important. And in the church world, our work is serious, but we don't need to take ourselves too seriously in the process. Yeah, so good. And we, Very good advice. You know, mm-hmm. No criticism, but we put on robes and have all this stuff and everything's yeah. just very ornate and quiet. And that's not really real life. And yeah. so I think the cows kind of helped provide some levity to the Chick-fil-A brand, which really helped. Yeah. And it's still going. So how long ago was that? When they were so I would say it's probably been about 17, 18 years. It's actually now in the Advertising Hall of Fame. There is such a thing called the Advertising Hall of Fame, <laughs> which I think is awesome. That and is the, cows awesome. Are, the cows are in the, in, the, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So moving on to family, you mentioned you grew up a pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. Where was home and what influences helped shape you as a man and a leader? It's interesting. I, I grew up in Gwinnett County, where, where we no are. Way. Um, I graduated from high school. My wife graduated from high school in Gwinnett. And my dad pastored a church not too far from, if you go down this road where we are, about 12 miles, the church is there. We actually got married there. So my dad was a huge influence. So is my mom. Mm-hmm. But my dad was a huge influence because as a pastor, he, you know, preacher's kids don't really have the best reputation in the world. Yeah. But he, uh, he loved his job, he loved his work, but he never lost sight of the fact that his most important ministry was to be the husband to my mom and mm. the father to my brothers and sister and me. And so he's been a huge in- influence. Passed away six years ago. So ironically, when, I don't think ironically, I think, and it's not a coincidence, I think this was just a sign mm-hmm. from the Lord. So when I got 
the date for the pub, for the book to come out. This is about a year ago. Um, Zonervan sent me the date that said it's going to come out on October 1st. We think that'd be a good time. It was going to be spring, but hey, let's go with October. And when I saw the date, I was like, Dad, you didn't pick that choice because that actually is my dad's birthday. So he would have been 92 on October the 1st. So I'm thinking that this is a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool book for, for him. And so my mom, we're having a, uh, little gathering on Tuesday night, and she's going to be there and pray, and so that'll that'll be really really cool. So he's been a huge influence. But Truett Cathy with Chick Fil A mm-hmm. was a huge influence. Interestingly enough, Truett and Jeanette. When my dad came back from World War II, he felt called to go into the ministry, but obviously being uh, in, in the Navy, didn't have a lot of resources yeah. to go to seminary. And but they actually went to church with Truett and Jeanette, and mm-hmm. this was before there was ever a Chick Fil A. This is in the 1940s, and but Truett and Jeanette helped with a few other people helped pay for their seminary uh, that oh. first year. And oh that gosh. shows me that even before the millions and billions came to Truett, he yeah. was already generous. And I felt like the Lord would could say, I can trust this couple with much because to whom much is required, mm-hmm. much is given, much is required. And God gave the Kathy family a lot, and they've been extraordinarily generous with with, with their, their blessings. So, so Truett has been a huge influence. In fact, the book starts with me in a car. I'm driving Truett to a speaking engagement. I don't even where we. I can't remember where we were going or even how I got involved in this. But so we were just having a conversation, mm-hmm. and I was thinking the conversation would be we would talk about chicken sales and chicken pricing yeah, yeah. and all that kind talk of stuff, business. which is important, right? Mm-hmm. And but it really he asked me more personal questions. He asked me how my parents were. He asked me how Wendy was doing. He asked me how I was. I like my job. We talked about being a great dad and all these things. And I realized that Truett was genuinely for me as a person more than he was Jeff, the person who works here. Yeah. And I would, when I realized that, and I already would have run through a brick wall for Truett, but Mm -hmm. that night I would have run through several because I realized, Oh, he, he's for me. And that's when I realized the secret sauce to mm-hmm. Truett building the business. He was more interested in the business growing people than he was people growing the business. Wow. And that's how the business grew. He just knew say, that. Say that again, Jeff. He was more interested in, in the business growing people that he would create a business where people could be encouraged, challenged, inspired, and they would grow. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, people ended up growing the business because they were, we were better. We were more inspired. Mm -hmm. We were more encouraged. We were more motivated because we knew that the organization was genuinely for us and for the betterment of us. And that sounds so simple, but in corporate America, as you well know, and even in church world, Mm -hmm. there is this dance, unfortunately, between the organization trying to get things out of the staff. And there's a suspicion there. Mm -hmm. There's a, we're more interested in the organization than the people. And I just don't think that's a healthy way to do business. I don't think it's a healthy way to do church. I don't think it's a healthy way to do a nonprofit organization. So Mm -hmm. Truett taught me that if you're genuinely for people, they will return the favor and Mm -hmm. you'll create a great work culture. So did you, as a young man, did you grasp that concept at that, at that point? Did you, when you were having that conversation, I mean, did, did that realization hit you that, Wow, he's really for me. I think it's like finding a $20 bill in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, oh, I've had this the whole time. But then over time, I began to put all this together. And I thought, oh, that's how this works. And I began, I loved working at Chick-fil-A. And I loved work, I love working at North Point. But I, one of the questions I get is, 
what's the biggest difference from working at Chick-fil-A and working at North Point mm-hmm. Ministries? Yeah. And the biggest difference is I'm open on Sundays now, right? Chick-fil-A is <laughs> closed. But there are actually That's more funny. similarities. Mm-hmm. And so when I left Chick-fil-A to come here, I found that there were very similar principles in play here, even though that they really haven't talked. And both organizations are growing rapidly yes. and thriving. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I bet there's a reason for that. And what I found at Chick-fil-A is what I found here, that this organization is truly for people. And that's when I began to put two and two together. I, I realized that obviously I was blessed to work for both organizations, but then I realized over time, it's really a stewardship opportunity. I've mm-hmm. been on the, you know, near, near the front row of these organizations to see them and what they do. And I should share what I learned to, for other leaders. And so I think over time to your question, Rena, I began to think, Oh, I, th- I think I can see this. And if I could put it in language that people could, could hold on to, but genuinely, I think they are genuinely for me. And, and the, the, the telltale sign is when I told Chick-fil-A I was going to leave to mm-hmm. go start a church with North Point. And that's an important moment in any organization. Sure. You can get your feelings hurt, mm-hmm. which is understandable. You can get you know defensive, or you can celebrate. And Chick-fil-A celebrated me in a massive way. And in fact, Dan oh, Cathy, cool. when I, whenever, I, whenever I see Dan, cool. the, the, the CEO of the organization now, he, he reminds me that I'm on loan to North Point, but I still belong to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so, but I love that fact that they, they, they have this sense of pride in terms of what's happened in these 16 and a half years. Yeah. So, so I that's think that's truly being for somebody. Absolutely. And the fact that they continue to encourage me says a whole lot. And so I think over time I began to put that car ride together. And so that's when I, when I sat down to write the book, I said, that's really where I think the, the, the genesis of this whole thing began in that car ride when I realized true it was for me as a person, not just a chicken salesman. Yeah. So I'm interested to know how did that whole transition happen with you moving from Chick-fil-A to North Point? Mm-hmm. It, it goes back to Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. I was invited to attend a leadership conference in Chicago called the Global Leadership Summit at Willow Creek Community Church. Mm-hmm. And I never even heard of Willow Creek or the Global Leadership Summit, but I was also told we would go to a Cubs game. So I thought, okay, that I'm, I, in. I'm in. So I went there and I saw church positioned in a way that just blew me away. I didn't know that you could do excellence in leadership and strategy in the church. I just didn't think that's what you did. And although leadership is a spiritual gift. And so I began to just realize, oh my goodness, you mean the things that I really enjoy about the business world, I can actually apply here in church world. And uh, I've never heard God speak audibly to me, but as a mentor of mine says, God speaks louder than that. I felt like at that conference, God whispered to me, you're going to start a church someday. And I thought, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I promised myself I would never do this. But I came home and I told my wife, Wendy, I think I'm, I think we're supposed to help start a church someday. And I have no idea. I don't want to leave Chick-fil-A. And she said, well, if that's what you think we ought to do, let's, let's, let's go. Let's start taking some steps. And so the only step we weren't actually even attending North Point at the time. I just, the only thing I can think of is going to North Point. And so we went the very next day. This was a Saturday. So we went on Sunday and we just got very heavily involved really Mm -hmm. fast. I didn't go to resign at Chick-fil-A the next week. I don't have that much faith. And so, but over about the course of three years, it just began to develop. And, and North Point approached me and said, hey, we're launching our first multi-site church in Buckhead. Did you get connected with Andy Stanley? Personally? Yes, through, through that. And so, and then they said, based on your 
Chick-fil-A experience, your franchise experience. This is a franchise multi-site kind of thing that we're going into. You have been very involved here for three years. Your, your background is a preacher's kid, all this kind of stuff. We, you know, why don't you come help us join us? And when, that, when they said that, I thought that's what this yeah. whole thing was been about. So that was 16 and a half years ago. And Buckhead was meeting in a hotel, little hotel conference room. We had about 150 people there. And then we moved to a closed down grocery Grocery store store. and renovated that. And it went from like 100, 200 to 4,000 seemingly overnight. And then we helped build the current location. And then right when we got it, you know, all settled, Andy comes and says, hey, can you go do this again? So (laughs) we bought some, we want to buy some land in Gwinnett and you and Wendy are from Gwinnett. Would y'all want to do this again? So that was uh, eight years ago. And so so this was just a field. So then, and then this has been a, a been a fun journey as well. So that's been a, but that's kind of how that story started. It really mm-hmm. goes back to one of my best friends still to this day, David Salyers, who is my boss at Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. and uh, who's been a big, big supporter. Who's in the book because he's a brilliant marketing strategist mm-hmm. and one of the best I've been around. But it goes back to the fact that they were for me and celebrated me when I left. That is very cool. Yeah. I've heard you speak of your dad and what an influential man he was in your life. Mm -hmm. Tell me, Jeff, what was your dad for? My dad was for Jesus. Just if you were, if he were here today, you would sense that, but he would sense it in a way that he is for you. He was always for the person on the other side of him. And my friends in high school always loved my dad. And so uh, in fact, when my dad passed away, one of my best friends in high school, actually three of them, came to his room and just sat with us in his final hours. But when my dad died, um, my friend Rob said, "My dad, your dad was my dad too. So this genuine, um, I'm for you more than I am for me, yeah. with this, this sense of humility. And my dad really believed that Part of being a Christ follower is bringing light into a dark world. Mm-hmm. And so he, and one of the things, I think my, my this frustrates my kids sometimes because anytime we go out to dinner, I want to get the waiter or waitress's name and treat them with a huge honor and respect. Love that. I've told my daughter that any if you go out on a date and mm-hmm. the person treats, however the person that you're out on this date with treats the waiter or waitress is ultimately how he's going to treat you down the road. So just be careful of that. And the reason I say that is my dad would treat people, you know, when we got out mm. to restaurants, we had so many waiters and waitresses came to his funeral. It was, it was, uh, it was amazing. And so he was genuinely for Jesus, but he, that, that manifested itself in showing people that he was for them. And that's why I think people were so drawn to him is that mm. he genuinely loved them but and he was for my mom and they had they were married over 60 years so over 60 years so that's 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 phenomenal so that that humility but that that genuine authentic I'm for you kind of a person really made an impact on me and so many others oh yeah so Wendy your wife must be amazing she along is. with your two kids what's the best part of being a husband and father for your family I do think the way you're, in many ways, one of the best parenting things you can do is to have a great, healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. And so, absolutely. So, for Wendy and me to be in sync, and I would never do something without her. Like when Andy approached, you know, Andy's so brilliant and so wise and so caring, he didn't say, Hey, would you want to do this? He mm-hmm. said, 
would you and Wendy want to do this? Because he knows if I want to do it and Wendy doesn't, then I think that's that's not a good yeah that's not a good decision. I, I want to have us both in sync. And but for us, one of the tangible priorities for us is to have in the early days. Of course, Jesse's off at college now. Is to have dinner regularly together, mm-hmm. and that could be if it's you know if you're because both of them played sports. That doesn't necessarily have to be at home, but if there, if we go several nights without having dinner together as a family, the, the warning lights on our dashboard was blinking because that's just a reconnection point. Sure. And so I think for us, having dinner on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. for me, um, my love language is words of affirmation, so I'm loving them out of my, my love language. I understand that. But I would write them one note a week. Mm-hmm. So that's 52 mm-hmm. weeks a year. Yeah. And, and just to let them know uh, what I see in them, what I believe in them, both Wendy, Jesse, and Cole. And so that's a, that was a goal for me. Mm-hmm. And so they have stacks of cards for me. Now, sometimes I saw this, the, the, the cards scattered in their room, and I'm like, Does, do y'all even read these? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but over time, and now now that Jesse's at college, I'm mailing her one. And so I'll, I'll text her, did you get my letter I sent you the other day? But over time, I've heard them say these things back to me that I've written down. So that's helpful. So I think dinner, uh, notes of encouragement, and understanding each child is different. Yeah. So Jesse is different from Cole, and we've got to parent them a little bit differently yes. uh, according Definitely. to what they, what they are. And then, and then let's just have fun. You there know? you go. Let's have fun. Let's, let's, yeah. let's do fun things together. And it doesn't necessarily mean you go on vacations, although we have done that, but just, you know, what can we do mm-hmm. to just have joy and fun in our family? And don't smother them with trying to control everything in their lives. Right. I mean, I think that's where a lot of parents make the misstep. You know, it's like, if I control this, then I'm going to keep them on track and have to teach them to walk, crawl, run, and fly. Right. And Wendy is so much better at that than I am because I, I have a tendency to be the overprotective parent. And so as I'll, as I go to jump in, she'll go, nope, nope, nope. We gotta let we gotta let them fall here. We gotta let them. And part of the wisdom in, of parenting is knowing when to mm-hmm. jump in and when to not. But what I've discovered is usually less times jumping in than you, you think it might be. I and uh, it's she's so good about saying this is not our responsibility; it's their responsibility. Mm. It's not easy. Oh, it's not easier said than done. Tell me what's going on with, with the two churches. Just share some of the highlights about what's going on now. Yes, yeah, so it was just a few months ago we opened up our second location, and the building that we're currently in, we built the, the one that you can see over there, mm-hmm. but we quickly ran out of student space, and we had to bring trailers in, and, and, oh, and the, the challenge that you have to, or the, not the challenge, the opportunity rather, is that in Gwinnett County, in the state of Georgia, of the 10 largest high schools in the entire state, Eight are in our county. Wow. So if and you're the, and then they're huge high schools. Oh, they're huge. And in fact, North Gwinnett, which is right next door to us, they're not even they're gigantic. They're not even in one of the eight. So to look at this county and go, we want to, you know, serve this county, well you have to understand, well then that means we've got to we've got to serve high school students and middle school students really well. Yeah. So when we ran out of space over there very quickly, it would have been easy to go, well, we just got through a you know, a fundraising campaign. Nobody does one within the you know, six to nine months of just moving in, but you have to go, but no, we're out of student space and we're going to treat our students really, really well. So the church thinks kudos to them. They said, no, let's do it. So 
after moving in, nine months later, we launched another fundraising campaign and built the building that we're in. And this is the student building. So we have middle school in the morning and high school at night. And the rooms that are around here are small group rooms. Uh-huh. And it's a great opportunity to have conversations because, and it's not just high school students. The conversations that middle school students are having nowadays are shocking. And you know this mm-hmm. based yeah. on you know the work that, great work that you've done. But middle school is the new high school because these kids are growing up faster. Yeah. Not because they're more mature, but because they're more exposed to things at a faster, quicker rate, primarily due to technology. So this facility has allowed us to really have great conversations with students and kind of direct them on the path that we believe they need to go. And then a couple of years ago, down the street from the, the largest high school in the state of Georgia, which is Mill Creek, we had an opportunity to purchase a building to launch the second Gwinnett Church location. And so we're just, we're starting all over. And so that's been fun. But the whole emphasis of being for Gwinnett and calling it Gwinnett Church from a marketing and branding standpoint, if you will, it's just worked because we just go, mm-hmm. it's Gwinnett Church here, it's Gwinnett Church over there. We're all for Gwinnett. We're all in the county. Let's go. And so it's been fun to see that grow over there and then this continue to grow. Yeah. So is it true that when this was just a, plot of land and you put the sign up for the church what did the sign say it said hashtag for Gwinnett and I I, the reason I wanted that I knew that there were going to be there are a lot of people driving up and down this road and at some point we knew we needed to put Gwinnett Church because people are like where is this thing but before all but you know typically when you see bulldozers show up at a at a vacant lot your people start thinking what is that going to be what's that going to be and I didn't want the, word, the first impression to be the word church and someone to go, ah, oh, that's not me, that's not, and just com- immediately mm-hmm. discount it. I wanted to, I wanted just to have a sign out there that said, we have something in common with you because if you live in this community, I bet you're for this community as well. And people couldn't figure it out. They, so they said, good, what is, what is for Gwinnett? And, and I got a little feedback like, hey, people aren't going to know what this is. And I said, exactly. They're going to have to ask about it. And then we gave everybody T-shirts and said, I just want you to go into the grocery stores and the ballparks and the restaurants. You don't have to go up to anybody, but people are going to come up to you and say, hey, Gwinnett, that sign over there, what is that going to be? Mm-hmm. And whatever they say next is, is, is gold. And I tell, you know, this is true for businesses or organizations or churches. You know, it, you've got to create vision carriers. And vision carriers become vision casters. But if you give your vision carriers too many words and a seven-paragraph mission statement, they're not going to get it exactly the way right. you want it. So you have to give them just a little bit of words. So when people ask them, what is going at, we just really train them to say, hey, well, it's a church, and the reason it says that is many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for, and we want to be known for what we're for, and we're for you. And those conversations, Rena, began to just grow our church in, in massive ways because I think there's something in all of us whether you believe in Jesus or not, there's something in all of us that's, that wants to know if there really is a God. I really would believe and hope that he's for me or this God is for me. Yes. And that was intriguing enough. Mm-hmm. And when people understand that that's actually true, then it's a game changer. And so that was that. And then people started getting their picture taken by it. And then we eventually took this, had to take the sign down and when we started all the construction but it's actually in the other building because the last meeting we had before moving in here, we had everybody who was on our core team sign it oh, and say, cool. I'm, I'm for Gwinnett. So it's, sti- it's still over there. It's just broken down and autographed. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things I absolutely love about our church is really 
how for the people we are. So can you give me some examples of kind of other than the church being here and serving the people on Sundays, what are other ways that Gwinnett Church is for Gwinnett? One of the things we've wanted to do, and you know you know this with No Longer Bound, is that we wanted to help fuel and fund other nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And so rather than create a lot of different ministries, we just on a consistent basis send volunteers to go serve these nonprofits. And then we actually raise money and give all of it away. Uh, for these nonprofits. And so we want to be able to come alongside uh, nonprofits in our community and say, hey, we want to help you go further, faster. Um, The other thing, though, that I think is important. And that's called? It's called Be Rich. And it's based on a verse that says, be rich in good deeds. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to be good, rich in in good deeds. And in terms of just not just service, service is really, really important. Sometimes it's actually more important than writing a check. But then tangibly, we want to come alongside nonprofits and say, what do you need? How, what, if you if you had a wish list, what would that wish list be? And then we'll go to our church and see if we can do it. Mm. And, you know, people in church world, they criticize churches for being all about the money. It's hard to criticize this when we say, yeah, we do want money and we're going to give all, all away. Give it all away. So, so if you're not, if you're not, you don't have to be generous to us, be generous through us because mm-hmm. we've done the hard work of vetting great organizations like No Longer Bound or Eagle Ranch, North Gwinnett Co-op. Mm-hmm. We've done the hard work with that and we work with them on a, we work with these organizations on a consistent basis. Yes. So if we present them in front of you and mm-hmm. say, this, these are organizations worth giving to, we've done all the hard work that you don't have to do. And we've heard a lot of people go, I'm so glad you're doing the vetting process because I want to be generous to nonprofits. I just don't know which, and it's not that we're funding all the nonprofits that we can, but these are ones that we feel like fit what we've been called to do. The other thing, though, I think that is, is a miss sometimes in church world is I don't think the church and the business community talk that much. Absolutely. And it's not that they're opposed to one another. They just don't understand one another. So one of the things that we've tried to do on our social media is to not talk about ourselves so much and talk mm-hmm. about the community. Mm-hmm. So one of the things Love we it. do is for Gwinnett Friday, and we just feature a local business. And it's not, and typically, Rena, it's not anyone that goes here. It's just someone that we see out in the community. Maybe they're opening up a new restaurant or they're opening up a new store and we go and introduce ourselves and we say hey with we're with Gwinnett Church and could we feature you on our Instagram and Facebook page and typically they're, they're thinking that we're wanting something from them and yeah. obviously we're coming from a church so they're, they're that's probably thinking that's a little weird and they ask well what what do you want in exchange and we said we don't want anything in exchange yeah. we're just we believe that if you run a great thriving business and hire people and serve people well that's one of the ways our community gets better we're for Gwinnett so if we can help you, then we're helping the community because we're helping you. And people are just befuddled by that. They're like, so you're, you're actually doing this. There's no, there's no ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. No. And that's been, that's been really, really fun for us. We also feature a lot of our high schools in terms of, of promoting them. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite stories is North Gwinnett won the state football championship a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they started playing schools that were near some of our other North Point partners, like Brownsbridge. So we started talking a little, a little, you know, smack. A little smack on <laughs> on Twitter at, to Brownsbridge. Well, every time we did that, North Gwinnett, which is a public high school, retweeted us. So if you went to their Twitter page, you would see North Gwinnett, which is a public high school, and then the next thing you would see is Gwinnett Church. Well, every time I saw that, I took a screenshot of it because growing up, I remember hearing all this controversy about separation of church and state and you can't have you know any of that and you can't have prayer in public schools all that but i thought no one's losing their minds that a public high school retweeted a local church because 
we weren't talking about us. We were talking about the school and that we are for them. And so the athletic director came to us and said, hey, we're loving this. Can you do this for other sports at North Gwinnett? To which I said, we, we can, but they need to start winning more because we're not going to promote some losers around here. Um, so but we want to, we kind of want to, we, we want, there's a Con- Gwinnett Convention and Visitors Bureau. We kind of see ourselves as kind of an extension of that and yeah. pr- promoting uh-huh. and celebrating the community and really shifting the focus away from us. And we need, there are a lot of great things that one of the ways that we show that we're for Gwinnett is what we do here. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's, it's way bigger than that. And so if people never come here, I want people to go, you know what? I don't know if I believe what that church believes, but they really are making the community better. So tangibly speaking, we want to help promote businesses. We want to help promote uh, local schools and we want to help fund and serve nonprofits. And we feel like if we can have the business community, the school community and the nonprofit community better, then that's going to make our communities better. Cause I think there's four ways community gets better. Communities improve thriving businesses, thriving schools, thriving nonprofits, and thriving churches. And in the middle of all that, it's mm-hmm. families. Yeah. And so if you can help families improve and thrive, and they're good jobs and good schools, and good nonprofits and good churches, that's how this works. Yeah. And so that's what the whole Four Gwinnett strategy is about, to impact those four groups. So simple, but so brilliant. It really is. Well, thank you. It really is. Okay, so I have a Jeff Henderson quote for okay. you. We've been called to say yes to those who've said no to the church. Please explain what you mean by that. I think there are people who have an experience with the church, but not necessarily with Jesus, and they've confused the two. So they said no to church, Mm -hmm. and they may say no to Jesus. And I think something powerful happens when people who've said no to church realize the church is still saying yes to them. An example would be Mm -hmm. uh, someone that I went to high school with. Okay, it's a local business owner. Um, she feels in, in deep in her past, she feels like the church, the big C church hurt her. And I want, and I, and she loves this place, but she's never been here. Part of it is because we've helped support her business as a mm-hmm. church. And we have, there are a lot of her friends that go here and love her as well. And I just want to tell her that hey, you may say no to the big C church, but there's one little church that's going to continue to say yes to your business it's going to say yes to your friends. And when you're ready, I want you to come to see that we are really for, for you. And, but, but we're going to do that even before you come here. Yeah. And I think when people realize that there's not this dividing wall and mm-hmm. that we can, we can reach out and whether you reject us or not, we're still going to say yes to us because that's what God did to us. Yeah. Um, he has said yes to us and it needs to flow from God to my heart, but it doesn't need to stay in my heart. It needs to flow to other people. And anytime I lose the gratitude that God has said yes to me, mm-hmm. when I lose that, I start saying no to people. And I start mm-hmm. leading, or I start. I could potentially start leading a church that ultimately they're saying no. Yeah. And there's this us versus them. And I just, I think we have years of experience of seeing that that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I think we have years of experience of that there's church on one side and there's the the world out here on the other. Yeah. And I understand there's a dividing line. I get all that, but it's not the church I want to lead. I want to be, I want to be proactively. Mm-hmm. I want to be on the offense telling yeah. people we're going to show you that God's still saying yes to you. And we're not going to get a bullhorn and yell at you. 
We're just going to love you. I think that's what Jesus told us, called us to do. So this idea of saying yes to people who've said no is what Jesus said. They will know us by our love. And that's what this whole thing is about, mm-hmm. is we're going to love you and be for you as, as much as we can. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I love the culture of saying yes, because in business world, there's a, like a whole emphasis about saying no and protecting your time. But I think... I always try to say yes when I can. I mean, you can't say yes all the time. Sure. But you never know when you're going to miss an opportunity by saying no mm-hmm. for the sake of preserving your time or whatever. We say our guest services, one of our guest services strategies, Rena, is to deliver wow to one person every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean you have to wow everyone. Right. But we have a lot of people on our guest services team. So if all of us deliver wow to one person, then there's a lot of people that have been delivered wow. wow. So we'll get to get together. In fact, we actually have a guest services training tonight, just as a reminder. Hey, just remember, one of the things that you're called to do is to deliver well, which is a way of saying, say yes to Mm -hmm. somebody and let's be proactive. And I remember Horst Schultze, who was the the founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel chain. He came to our staff when I was at Buckhead Church to speak one time. And I was asking him all these guest services questions. And he, he stopped me and said, these are good questions. I appreciate that, you know, in his thick German accent. (laughs) <laughs> but I think someday the table should be reversed and the Rich Carlton should come to the church and ask the church how you do great customer service because you are serving the greatest servant leader who's ever lived, and that's Jesus. And so the Rich Carlton should ultimately someday be learning from the church about how to serve people well. I've never, ever thought of that. So my goal, we haven't gotten there yet, Rena. My goal <laughs> is one day to get a call from the Ritz-Carlton Hotel chain and go, hey, can we come to Gwinnett Church on Sunday to oh. hear, see how y'all uh, do guest services? Because I think Horst is right. Mm-hmm. We, we, I mean, we yeah. certainly can learn from great organizations like the Ritz and Chick-fil-A and, every, and, and, and great organizations, but we should corner the market on serving people well mm-hmm. and, and with honor and dignity and respect. And so our guest services strategies, uh, there's really just three, deliver well, create fun, Mm-hmm. and leave a lasting impression. And many times the way you leave a lasting impression is saying someone's name. There's a whole system that the Ritz-Carlton has about saying, learning someone's name mm-hmm. and saying it back to them during their stay here. And if our guest services team can do those three things, it'll be a great way to say yes to people. Right. And it's just so important because I think a lot of people are intimidated by big church. Oh, sure. You know, it's just like, wow, it's so big. The parking lot's so big. And to be greeted with such a warm welcome, I think it it just makes good sense, Mm -hmm. you know, to to be able to transition them from being hesitant to be like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Right. The more personable, the more remarkable. So you've got to, and we want to grow, but we want to grow small. We want people to be to be recognized, to say a name, if someone's coughing, to bring them proactively a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. We, so many times our, our parking team will see a tire that's flat and they'll pump it up and they'll leave a note that says, hey, we pumped up your tire, but you might want to get it checked. We're not quite sure oh what that, I mean, that happens all the time. But yeah, to be able to go, hey, proactively looking is really, really important. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Okay, so let's, um, let's start talking about this book. Okay. How yeah. exciting. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank so you. So read me the title and tell me a little bit about it. It's called Know What You're For, A Growth Strategy for Work and Even Better Strategy for Life. And it's the, it really is born out of what we experienced here, Rena, when we asked the two questions, what do we want to be known for and what are we known for? Mm-hmm. And that's two questions that I learned in marketing. 
what you and I grew up in. And, but when I started here, I, even before we had a name, we, I got our team together, which was just four of us, and said, what do we want to be known for and what are we, uh, what are we for? And we didn't have a name, so we weren't known for anything. So mm-hmm. we just talked about the church. And that's when we said, you know, many people, when it comes to the church, the church is known for this, that many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than yes. what the church is for. So let, then I asked, well, what do we want to be known for? Well, let's be, let's be known for being four Gwinnett kids and four Gwinnett businesses and four Gwinnett students because the most famous Bible verse of them all starts with the word for, for God so mm-hmm. loved the world. So let's do that. So, but here's, if you can, if, if we can take it from a business standpoint, here's the power of those two questions. So the first one is, what do you want to be known for? That's your vision. That's your unique niche to what you want to bring, whether you're a church, nonprofit, or business. What do you, you know, Steve Jobs said, this is our dent in the universe. This is what we're going to be known for. That's your, that's your question. The second one is, what are you known for? So that's the customer's answer. Mm-hmm. And so here's the power of those two questions. When the answers to those two questions match, when what you want to be known for is what you're known for, what you do is you create a sales force for free. You harness the most powerful form of advertising there is because people start talking about your organization. You know what? They said they wanted to have the best hot dog. They actually do have the best hot dog. You've got to go try their hot dog. If you want to have the best, you know, dry cleaners, I'm telling the customer service, they did this for me. You've got to go there because a business is no longer what it tells customers it is. I don't care how much money you spend. Mm-hmm. A business is what customers tell other customers it is. Mm-hmm. That's the game. That's where yeah. it's going. Yeah. So when I was in college, at day one in advertising one-on-one, the professor got up and said, okay, um, he, we all know that the most powerful form of advertising is word-of-mouth advertising. We don't know how to figure that out. So we're just going to spend the rest of the semester talking about paid advertising. Now, <laughs> I'm all for paid advertising. I'm not saying you should not do that. But I, I wanted to raise my hand and go, I don't, I don't think it's that mysterious. I think you can figure this out. Mm-hmm. It's much like, Rena, if we've all taken a survey that, from businesses that said, how did you hear about us? And it's TV, radio, billboard, social media. And then there's the last box that says the other box. Other. That's the box that gets checked the most. And it drives marketing people like you and me crazy because we know what that box is. It's the elusive, mysterious word of mouth advertising. But I don't think it has to be as mysterious as it, as it pretends to be. So what the book tries to do is, is to basically, basically position this. What if we could figure out how to harness positive word of mouth advertising? And I think it's not as mysterious as it seems to be. So that's what the book does. It creates a, really a culture that's for four groups of people, for the customer or attendee or participant mm-hmm. in your organization, for the team, for the larger community, and then for you. You've got to be remain yeah. inspired for the other three. And so when we started this at Gwinnett Church, um, it really began to resonate, as I mentioned earlier. But then, I don't know, I think it was about three or four years ago, I came to work one day and there was a coffee mug there and it said for Winnipeg. And there was a uh, note what? from a church that said, Hey, thanks for doing this. We're, we're really, you know, we're doing this in our community. And then, and then that's when I just started, get, I started getting t-shirts in the mail and coffee mugs from other organizations that are, that were doing the four campaign. And so I thought, wow, first of all, how do they even know about this? But then secondly, <laughs> wow, this is really starting to spread. And as I started to see what other organizations were doing with this, I started to learn from them. So there, there was this really organic viral thing that was happening. And then there's a friend of mine, Carrie Newhoff, who 
yeah. very well-known blogger, podcaster. He was in South Dakota. Uh, this is about two years ago. And he took a picture of a <laughs> sign that said, For the Pine Bluff. <laughs> and he said, he goes, all right, I've had it. Made it, Jeff. Uh, well, he just said, I've had it. I go, I travel all over the world. I see this all over the place. You're not being a good steward of this idea because you haven't written down. There, I mean, these folks mm-hmm. are trying to figure it out, but you haven't given them any understanding of the strategy behind this. They just think it's a sign and T-shirts. He goes, I know it's much more than that. So he challenged me to, oh, that is cool. to write a book. Mm-hmm. So that's where we, so it's all Carrie's fault if you don't like the book. But um, but I really wanted this to be more of a business book mm-hmm. um, because, again, I wanted to kind of shrink that gap between church and businesses. Yeah. And I wanted church leaders to be able to take this into businesses to go, hey, I know I'm a pastor, but this may help you grow your business because that's what this whole book is about is how do you grow? Mm-hmm. Because healthy things grow, unhealthy things die. And, but it's not just the reason it says it's an even better, better strategy for life is because those two questions, what do you want to be known for and what are you known for? They're probably more powerful to ask in your personal life sure. than it is in your organizational yeah. life. So for example, if I want to say, I want to be a great husband, then ultimately what you have to do, Rena, is then go ask Wendy, Hey, this is what Jeff wants to be known for. Is that what he's known for? And if there's a gap in that, mm-hmm. then part of my role every day should be able to shrink the gap between those two questions. Yeah. So there's a there's a gap in every organization and in every sure. person related to those two questions mm-hmm. because there aren't any perfect people and there aren't any perfect organizations. But the goal should be to shrink the gap between those two questions every single day. And that's really the, the heart of the book. And, and, a, and, a, and a business example would be uh, Zappos. I mean, if you were to ask mm-hmm. this, the, the online shoe retailer, what do you want to be known for? They would say, we want to be known for not shoes. They want to be known for delivering happiness. And mm-hmm. they knew that if they delivered happiness in their customer responses and customer service, then they would ultimately deliver shoes. And they went from zero to a billion dollar sale in sales in 10 years wow. and recently bought by Amazon. And so... Mm-hmm. So I think those two questions, what do you want to be known for and what are you known for, are two questions that every organization and every person really needs to hold on to and let them let those questions bother them in a really good way. Yeah. So ultimately, who do you hope buys this book and reads it and, and puts the, the strategy into action? Well, I hope everyone, but specifically, I would say business leaders mm-hmm. and organizational leaders, because I, I feel like one of the ways that we... I mean, I'm all for the government, but I think ultimately what's going to drive and make our world better are thriving businesses, thriving communities, and thriving churches, and thriving organizations, thriving schools. And I think we've got to get better at that. And so for me, I'm hoping any entrepreneur, any leader, but really anyone who wants to grow in their own in their own life, if you want a growth strategy for work and a growth strategy for life, then I think this book's for you. Very cool. I actually pulled some of my friends, told them I was coming to meet with you and Uh got some good questions from friends. So one of my girlfriends says, the Bible says, if God is for us, who could be against us? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't always feel that way. Mm -hmm. What would you say to the person who might be feeling like God is not for them? My dad asked a question or he gave me a question that said, what do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? It's a really important question. Mm -hmm. And my experience has been that many people answer that question when they're honest, that they feel like God's disappointed in them. Yeah. And 
because sometimes they feel disappointed in themselves. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do is you have to go right back to the story, I think, of Jesus and to go right back to the cross yeah. and go right back to what you know. You might not know about the future. You might not know about your present circumstances. And many times your present and future circumstances can war against what is actually true. Mm -hmm. And if you based your faith on what you see, then that's not really faith. That's based on circumstances. Right. So what I would encourage them to do is to go back to the story. And the story of, the story of God is that he, the reason that you have heard of Jesus and the reason Jesus did what he did is because he's actually for you. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to look beyond that to your circumstances. You've got to look at your present circumstances through the filter of the cross. And if you do that, then there's, it's unquestioned. The yeah. reason that God sent Jesus is because he's for you and you need a, that's why we call him savior is because you and I need, need one. And that's why I think the cross and the story of Jesus is so important is to realize if God wasn't for me, none of that would have happened. Yeah. And if Jesus wasn't for me, he surely wouldn't have gone through what he went through hmm. to get on the other side of where we are. So be sure and be careful not to view whether or not God's for you based on your current current circumstances because circumstances change. are, you know, with one phone call, your circumstances can change in good or bad ways. Yes. That doesn't negate what God has done for you. Yes, that's so good. So here's another four word for you that I believe is foundational in life, forgiving. Why is it so important to forgive? I think one of the best statements on forgiveness is, withholding forgiveness is like you know, taking poison and expecting it to hurt the other person, but you have taken it. So whether mm -hmm. really forgiveness is more about, about you sure. and you moving forward mm -hmm. because we feel like we're with, we're, we're hurting the other person if we, if we don't, if we don't forgive. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, you know, the great thing about forgiveness, it goes back to Jesus is forgiven people forgive. And that's, that's where we are. That's where we have to, to start with. Yeah. And so I think forgiveness, the reason it's so hard to forgive is because people have hurt us. Yeah. And it's one thing to struggle with people, to forgive people when people have come back and asked for forgiveness. It's a whole other thing when you have to forgive people and they, they don't know. Right. But. And that's usually how it works. It's usually how it works. And so I think we have to ask God to give us the strength to forgive. But I think that comes back to understanding that we have been forgiven and allow that forgiveness to soak in that forgiveness and that mercy mm -hmm. and grace um, allows me and allows that to flow out of uh, from me. And if not, that grudge, grudge holders, that's the grudge actually ends up hurting you mm -hmm. more than the person that you're trying to hold the grudge against. Yeah so important in life. So I know a lot of people think they might get lost in big church, which our churches certainly are. You, Jeff Henderson, made big church seem small, personal, and very important for one man, a mutual friend of ours. I reached out to him, and here's what he wrote. Wow. Back in 2010, I was struggling with the on and off again cycle of addiction. I was working at a local restaurant, and Jeff would frequent there for lunch. We all knew him as a pastor, but mostly he was just known as a really nice guy. Mm. I waited on him a couple times, and that was the start of our friendship. 
I really didn't know many people in Atlanta, especially those outside the party scene. So when my life got really unmanageable and my addiction was out of control, I reached out to Jeff for help. He responded quickly to my email and introduced me to a guy named Mike with Care Ministries. Mike, along with Kristen Franklin, helped me get plugged into the church, into a small group, and so my life began as a believer. Since then, it hasn't been a straight path. I have definitely taken some wrong turns, but through my journey, Jeff and all of the amazing people at Buckhead, North Point, and Gwinnett Church have supported me and loved me through it all. I am thankful that some guy I waited on was kind to me and modeled what it's like to be a believer, which gave me the confidence to reach out when I needed it most. Wow. Well, thank you for reading that. First of all, that, that makes my year. But It's about the one. It is. It really is. And I, and I, I tell our, our team here that I want them to, to own a restaurant. What I mean by that is to go in and frequent that restaurant. And uh, the restaurant was in, in Buckhead was at Bricktops at the time. So I wasn't necessarily suffering for Jesus. <laughs> it was a great restaurant. But I love the staff there. And uh, I have a little pizza place. I do that here now. But um, I, I just, I can't let, I can't get drawn into the, I mean, it's a big organization. There are questions, you know, got to make sure the light bills are paid and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And that's important. But if I lose the sight of the one, then I lose the sight of why I got involved in this. I didn't get involved in this to run a big organization. Yeah. I got involved in this to reach people. But I do believe if you're going to reach people, it's going to get big. And so, but I don't ever lose, I don't ever want to lose sight of that. And so, and I think we have a team like Kristen and like Mike that would be, are ready for those phone calls. Those are, those are welcome phone calls that we, that's, that makes, that makes, that reminds us of why we got into this in the first place. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's playing offense. It is. You know, being there, being there ready and poised when somebody's ready for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's when the church is at its best, mm-hmm. when you ask me. And you can't say yes to everybody, but I've told, we have a, you know, if somebody call, emails me today and says, hey, I have a complaint about the music of the church, and, and then I get an email like this, it's easy to which one I'm going to go with. I'm like, hey, I understand that. I don't know that I always like the music, right? But, but I've got an email here of someone that's trying to understand who Jesus is. I'm going to say yes to that. Yeah. So when Kristen got that email and, and well, oh, this is, this is who we're going to go, we want to say yes to. Mm-hmm. So good. And he's my friend and he's your friend. Yeah. And I really believe, you know, that interaction possibly could have saved his life. So... And he's doing great things now, as you well know. I know. Makes me so happy. Okay, one last question for okay. you, and then, then we'll cruise. So the word relevate means to uplift or inspire. Mm-hmm. In closing, what words would you like to share as it relates to your simple yet brilliant message for being for something? Mm-hmm. My favorite definition, Rena, of for is to be in favor of. And I like that. I think, to so I would... I would encourage everyone to say, what would you say you are in favor of? And it doesn't have to be, you know, one or two things, but for me, I want to be in favor of the person right in front of me, which is you right now and our listeners. Mm -hmm. And then I have a phone call a little bit. I want to be for Kelly. So what do you, what, in terms of relevate, I I love that word too. That should be your book, by the way. I think, (laughs) I think for me, I just want to be known for being in favor of whoever's right in front of me. 
And so that's what I would encourage. And the, the way that you can inspire and uplift people is to show them that you are in favor of them. And you and I were talking about this. We, we don't live in a world right now that that's what it is. It's, right. it's, and one of the overarching premises in the book is in a hypercritical, cynical world, often known for what it's against. Let's be a group of people known for what we're for. Mm-hmm. And what's exciting to me is to see that, that message start to spread. Yeah. And it's not just some sweet little message. It actually has tangible business results and impact because i think the world in which we're heading is doing good is good for business because people won't do business with people that they don't think is doing good yeah and the younger you get when i talk to millennials and even younger when you say that they look they think that that's like well of course people my age they wonder is that really going to trickle to the bottom line and i'm like i'm telling you where this thing is going is doing good is good for business and so if your business church or organization can show people who you're in favor of, you're going to uplift and inspire them and they will return the favor. That's how this works. And that's, we can call it marketing, branding, whatever, but that's where I think this thing is going. Yeah. It's just doing good work, doing God's work. You're doing great work. So thanks for having me on this, Rena. It's great to see you again. I'm excited about your podcast and folks listening and you're just, um, you've just done so many great things. So I need to return the favor and I have a podcast to interview you. So thanks oh, for having there, me. There, there thanks for go. having me. Okay. It's been great. Good luck with the book tour and book release. Thank you. I'm excited about it. Y'all, sometimes I have to pinch myself at the extraordinary people who are in my life, like Jeff Henderson. Jeff is that rare combination of leader, pastor, entrepreneur, and marketer, and is truly one of the good guys. Jeff's new book, again, is called Know What You're For a growth strategy for work, and even better strategy for life. This book is really for everyone, and I encourage you to pick up a copy and put its powerful message to work, not only at the office, but also at home. More about Jeff can be found in the episode notes. Thanks for listening, friends, and being for this podcast. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.